Dear Lord, please make Homer's blows precise and deadly with the minimum of pain. Oh, and forgive me for those impure thoughts I had about the girl on the raisin box. Leonard's, I'm gonna do something I should have done a long time ago. Would you help me be a better husband? Huh? In Marge's book, I was so mean and you were so nice. How can I be more like you? Just give me some advice. Advice? Oh, just call me Ann Flanders. Uh-huh. Oh, and another thing. Please, homie, don't hurt him! And a, a back rub can just be a back rub. It, it doesn't have to lead to adult situations. Why would I rub her back unless I wanted to get some... Oh, to make her feel good. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode FABF05. It is Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. I'm Dando. I am Guy, and this episode was indeed FAB. I thought it was a little bit fab. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, thought I you would really like this because it was very writing based, very based around writing a novel. I know you've said before in the past that you, obviously you've worked in newspapers, but you've liked to write your own things. You never actually finished several things there. You're working on several projects, so I feel like you could have lived vicariously through Marge here. Absolutely, yes. I, I related more than I would uh, care to admit to Lisa in that uh, in that one scene where uh, she's got multiple emotions going on in her head, got a little inside-out action going on. Oh, yes. <laughs> I did like that scene, actually. <laughs> so I, I thought this could have gone one or two ways for you because I know, as I said, you, you like the writing aspect, but I, I don't know whether you would have liked Homer being a bit of a jerk in here, but he wasn't cruel for the sake of being cruel. He was just sort of ignorant. At least at the end, he sort of made up for it. He was like... I'm not going to hate Flanders for being a better husband. I'm going to try and learn from Flanders for being a better husband. I appreciate that and I admire that. But at the same time, do any of these lessons ever take? No, they don't. And <laughs> that's, that's the thing. There was, he was very rude and dismissive to Marge, particularly when she was trying to explain how excited she was. I loved how excited she was for being creative again because she's a very creative person. Oh, yeah. She's got many strings to that bow. Likes a bit of painting. Yep. Clearly now likes a bit of writing, and she's really got the go-at-it attitude that artists need. I mean, she doesn't sort of sit around contemplating her navel and going, hmm, you know, what should I create today? It's like, no, she gets down and does it, which is what good artists do. And as wacky as the side story is, you need to just establish that at this point in the series, Homer's just going to be doing something stupid every episode. He's not going to, he doesn't work at the power plant anymore. He's just doing something wacky. And for the sake, when you, when you can look at it through that perspective, I enjoyed the B story of him being a car salesman, which led to him being an ambulance driver. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. I think if you are looking for continuity or... Doesn't exist and, anymore. And or realism, no. Forget about it. I mean, they're not, not, they're not even at the end doing anything. They're not paying lip service to like, Homer, we need you back at the plant. Okay, see you Monday. It's like, I'm sure we're going to see him at the plant again at some stage. How he got there... We'll never know. It doesn't, but it doesn't I, go back. It doesn't show him going back to the plant. No, it's just he's an ambulance driver now. And next episode, he'll be back at the plant. Indeed. And if you just surrender to that, it's like they're going to reset. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they don't even have to say, hmm, maybe we should reset. Nah, just do it. Just yeah. do it. <laughs> I can understand why a lot of longtime fans, myself in particular, would have been annoyed at the time because you know, you've invested all your life watching this show. The continuity's out the window. 
But going back and revisiting it now and looking at it from the, from the perspective of does this entertain me, this entertained me. And I particularly, let's get into our favorite moments. I, I, I want to explain one of my favorite moments. Hey, my favorite. Okay, so I really enjoyed Homer turning on the radio to cover up a fart. <laughs> I just thought the the fact that he doesn't actually say it again is they mentioned the fact that he turned on the radio to cover up the smell and then he's talking to his boss and all of a sudden he just turns on the radio again. I was like, that's that's good. I like that. I, I too have that <laughs> highlighted in green. Um, first of all, I just think cut one is a terrific term for it farting. It really is. And then I love the, I'm not shaking that guy's hand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a term we really use in Australia all that much. No, it's not. Did you cut no, one? No. It's a very American term. We say drop one. It, Did you drop one? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, drop your guts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very Australian term. But uh, I, I like cut one a lot. I think that's great. And But, yeah, you're right. That The whole follow-up and not even sort of alluding to it, not having the other salesman sort of, you know, crinkle up his nose like, what's that smell? It's just like, this is the way Homer covers yeah. up a fart. <laughs> it's great. I, I enjoyed that very, very much. Yes, that is highlighted in green. Among my favourite things. What else did you enjoy, Dando? I like the fact that he got a job for being a scammer. <laughs> just just giving it to the uh, the car salesman. Because we always have this perspective that to be a salesman, you've got to be a bit of a scammer. A bit of a... Oh, car salesmen have this this aura of like being a sleaze bag. Even though I've never actually met a sleaze bag car salesman. And their, their job is to try and sell you on something. So, of course, they're going to try and sell something to you. But yeah. in TV and film, they're always like sleazy, sleazy... Well, the wise guys, right? Yeah. There's a whole movie called Used Cars that is yeah. based around this thing. And it's a fantastic movie, by the way. Track it down if you can. Yeah, but I just I just loved this here where it's just the, you know, you think Homer's going to take the job. No, he's going to, he's actually been you know, using his creativity. I'm going to take this and they're going to have to pay me to make them a new one. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about salesmen is, I mean, salespeople are trying to get your money for something that you don't necessarily need. Mm. Most of the you time. Know. Most of the time. Most of the time. I mean, think about the things that you actually need in your life. How, how many things? In, how many things in this house do I need? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, you go into the, the good guys or whatever. And it's like I've got five hundred dollars yeah. to spend, my good man. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's a washing machine or a car or a lamp, I don't know. I mean, if someone's working on commission or it's just necessary to, for them to sell something in order to keep their job, yeah, of course they're gonna pressure you to they're going to try and separate you from your money it's just the way it goes you're living in a capitalist society man we're living in a material world and we are material girls i guess i never, i didn't really think that out <laughs> <laughs> how are you when it comes down to you've bought a tv or something that's a bit expensive and they say do you want the extra cover i always go nah <laughs> i will occasionally take it it depends on the the size of the purchase. Okay. I know. And I think you've said in the past, I'm a chump for doing so. Only chumps get the uh, the extended warranty or something mm. like that. And since then, since then, I think I've become less chumpy. You just, I always feel like the pressure. I feel like I don't want to let this guy down. <laughs> yeah, I will occasionally be upsold by someone who really puts in the effort or, or shows skills I think I've said in the past, you know, you'll have people knock on your door. Would you like to change electricity provider or something along those lines? And I'm, I'm always like, mate, bit busy now. Sorry, can't do it. But, oh, but I, thanks. I saw Good how luck. you answered the door last week. Yeah, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, what do you want? Who are you? Oh, it's Dando. 
Sunday morning, Dando. You're you're expecting someone who's going to tell you about Jesus. Yeah, 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 Not- exactly. <laughs> Instead, I got Dando, the next best thing to Jesus. <laughs> um, but I will admit there was one young guy who came to the door and he was selling like a charity for heart disease or something or mm-hmm. sign up and make a monthly donation to heart disease. This guy was such a good salesman. He was like a young dude, clearly an English backpacker. It was like being a minder or something, you know, one of those shows where um, you've got a slick, possibly shonky salesman. I mean, heart disease is a legitimate charity and all that. This guy was so slick and so smooth, but not oily with it. He was just like, Rob Lowe? Really good cool. Yeah, he's a really good cause and he's why. And he clearly did a better job than that. But I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give 30 bucks of, of my hard-earned a month to finding a cure for heart disease. Good on you. <laughs> Straight into <laughs> then, his pocket. <laughs> then after six months, I was like, fuck this. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. I, I hate paying <laughs> to these things. Um, the, the other moment I liked here was Flanders saying, you know, it'd be considered as old-fashioned, and I guess I'm a caveman, if they existed, which they did. <laughs> <laughs> which they did. Yeah. <laughs> that was very good. I mean, I like that... Uh, Ned is very likable. I mean, yeah, clearly a good guy at heart, but he's just got these retrograde beliefs based mm. on his belief system. <laughs> uh, what did I enjoy? There's a few things here. I, I, as mentioned, I like the bit of it. It wasn't even an Inside Out homage because this was years and maybe of a decade and a half before Inside Out came out, but all the stuff in Lisa's head I thought was pretty funny. Well, the one thing I love probably the most, and he's not even a writer that I'm all that across, but I do know sort of the legend around him. I love the Thomas Pynchon mm. guest spot. Um, I thought all the guest spots did pretty well here. I mean, the Olsen twins did not a bad job. Was it actually the Olsen twins? I believe it was. They are they are listed in the credits. They are too. Wow. Yes. As is Tom Clancy, who yep. um, gave a very convoluted Tom Clancy guess blurb. What was it? Name checking Hunt for Red October and Clear and Present Danger. What? I just said it. What? <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. But Thomas Pinchon, uh, I thought was just uh, the best. Mainly because, yeah, he has this reputation for being very reclusive. There aren't many photos of him, certainly no recent ones. It's like, it's like our main man. Swasswater. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've got so many main men. <laughs> I was like, you're talking about yourself, Dando, because you're all over the place. Ah, Swasswater is <laughs> very little photo, very minimum photos of, there, of him out ah, there. Okay, very little social footprint, you might yeah. say. Thomas Pinchon almost puts him to shame. So for his guest spot to be, <laughs> I've got a bag over my head with a question mark on it, but at the same time being a relentless self-promoter, I just thought that was so, so funny. It I is really, very really clever. Enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> Maybe if today you get an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved all that. And there was other stuff, but I think we'll talk about that as the episode goes on. He was, um, this is one of the very few things that he actually agreed to do as well, Thomas. That's correct, yeah. I think he, he's, he's very serious about, no, I'm staying out of the public eye. Yeah, because he's only got like, re- sanctioned appearance on anything for like decades. Holy moly! It's a it's a it's a good get for the Simpsons. Hmm. I mean, even I mean, Pinchon is one of those guys who think he's very well regarded among the in crowd. He's not necessarily a best selling author, but he's one of those guys who's like this guy can actually write. He's pretty good, <laughs> yeah. but not necessarily a household name. So, for the Simpsons to go after him to get him and to do it this way, I think is it's a it's a, like a perfect storm of just good elements. He returns to the show in season sixteen. So I read. I, I do not remember. I do not recall that episode. Uh, the All's Fair and Oven War. 
Well, guess what, Dan? We're doing we're currently doing season fifteen. Mm, if we can long. tolerate each other for another, you know, few weeks or whatever, we may actually get to that episode. We may possibly do so. Another one that returns this time, another character that returns is a Marvin Monroe, Doctor Marvin Monroe, in this episode for the first time in what feels like decades again. Again, yeah. Well, when did when was the last time we saw Doctor Marvin Monroe? Oh, season well, one? Well, I, I want to say season one. Let's have a look. I know Harry Shearer didn't want to do the character anymore because it hurt his throat. Hence the line about, you know, oh, I've been sick. Yeah, I've been very sick. Because um, they, they sort of played up that he was dead. All right, so I'm just opening up on the Simpsons wiki now to see how many episodes he's appeared in. All right, let's scroll down. Scroll down. There's no disgrace like home. The, he was in the call of the Simpsons, the Telltale Head, some Enchanted Evening. I think it was just like background characters for most of those. Okay. What was the episode that had Albert Brooks as the sort of the self-help guy? Be oh, like that, the boy. Yeah, that's the, um, uh, not Bucket's Famous. Oh, fuck. What is that? Bart's and a Child, it's called. Bart's, Bart's and a Child. child. That's, that's right, the one. Yeah. Yes, Bart's and a Child with, with Albert Brooks, yeah. So I don't think he's in that one. No, he's not. So he appears in several episodes, but they all look like background characters here. So he's in okay. like Alone Again, Natural Diddly, Bye Bye Nerdy. Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, but Die Chop of a Mad Housewife is, I think, the first time he actually speaks since, like, maybe season two, but I think season one. Yeah, so it's okay. it, was, it was quite shocking to see him. I was like, oh, yeah. I thought you were dead. I was mad. I thought you were dead. <laughs> I wonder why they would bring him back in that regard, or... Just as a joke, I guess. Yeah. Something, something for the fans. You use it for the commercial. Look who's back. <laughs> it's like the return of a yeah. long, you know, long lost character. <gasps> Wait, what? <laughs> what, what? What? Is there anything else that you liked about this episode? Uh, look, there are a few things, but I think I will point them out as we go through the episode. Let's do it. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, trivia now for Die Trouble of a Mad Housewife. But before then, we need to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you by our $20 patrons. Andrew Zer, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Hank Scorpio, Steamed Ham Champion Dylan Haggett. Zach Pruitt, Christopher Darby, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Jordan Molman, Richie, Daniel Kotnick, Katie G, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Bella Winderbank, Sean Devey, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Grandskeeper Noah, and Declan Phoenix. Thank you so much, guys, for your continued support by being a $20 patron. Also, shout-outs to our new members of the Four Finger Discount family, Gary West, Gemma McLaughlin, Heath Appleby, Chris Slade, Alexander Markovich, Alexi, and Kieran Conway. Welcome aboard, everybody. Look, we name names, but even the people we didn't name, you're all champions and legends. Yes, thank you so much. Remember, guys, if you do want to show some support to the show and get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts, early access to the podcast, Zoom calls, competitions, and much, much more, you can do so for as little as a single dollar we do at patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Okay, time for some trivia. My first question is, according to Homer, where do you need training to become an ambulance driver? Hmm. It says, maybe on the planet... Zuzu? Zuzu, yes. <laughs> Thank you for the for that tip. Yeah, because I'm... I must admit, what he's what what what's that? What do you yeah, mean? I, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Homer, mm. what kind of sauce did he have on his breakfast burrito? Ooh. No idea. Macho sauce. Ooh. My first, my next question is: How many gravy scrapums did he have? I want to say sixteen. Sixteen, yes. I wonder what a gravy scrapum is. All Probably that food really good. sounded delicious. It really did. <laughs> do you like a breakfast burrito? Have you ever had? 
No, because you've put me off burritos. Because no, they're bad. No, no. <laughs> no, they're good because they, get, they can give you an excuse. They've got a bad reputation, but they're actually good. And you can use that bad reputation for good uh, purposes. Like they give you the squirts and then you ruins your yeah. night. Yeah, but oh, a breakfast burrito. I, I'm very partial to one that I made where I would chop up some chorizo. Yeah, yeah some, I think you've explained this one. Yeah, some yeah. eggs, some Spanish onion, some yellow capsicum. You throw a bit of chili garlic in there, uh, maybe a bit of uh, fresh coriander. What do you wrap it in? In a burrito, in a tortilla. Tortilla, like, like any particular one? Um, whichever's cheapest that day at, uh, <laughs> at Coles. Uh, but also... Bit of, you know, bit, of, bit of guac in there as well, and also mm. some salsa. Top it off with a little hot sauce. That's breakfast, baby. Some salsa. Salsa. <laughs> ne- your next question, or did uh, you just ask me one? I think I just asked you the 16 scrapings, yes. That's right, and we got talking about mm, food, mm. <laughs> burritos, <laughs> how good home breakfast was. My next question to you, what is the title of Chapter 1 of Marge's book? Starts and Beginnings? <laughs> that is correct, sir. <laughs> My next one is, who wrote To Kiss a Scandal? Esme Delacroix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two-part question, because you, you'll probably get the first one. Because I thought they're only going to say this name once, but then they said it a bit. What is the name of Marge's character? That's Temperance. Yes, I don't know Temperance. The last name. Just Temperance is the first name. I don't know the last name. Okay, Temperance Barrows. And how many how many children does she have? Ah, uh, she originally had 10. And now mm. she's got three because seven died. That's something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My final question is, how many pages does Marge's book have? 278, I believe. Mm, 286. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I was so confident, yeah. yet so wrong. <laughs> I even said it in a way that was like, mm, yes, well, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's that? It's that great bit in Ghostbusters at the start where um, Bill Murray's doing oh, the psychic the cards. experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he's, <laughs> the guy actually gets a nice try, but definitely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Um, I've got a few questions left. Let me choose one All right, for you. For how many paragraphs on what page did Temperance become Marge? That was for three paragraphs on page 72. Is that right? Good guess and correct. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, you you look very, you're very convincing now. I thought I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's just my natural face of like, "Mm." (laughs) you're wrong. I'm going to make a joke then, but I won't go there. (laughs) Uh, No, not about my face. All All right. That is trivia for Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. Good times as always. We'll be right back, guys, after this short break with a full in-depth review. We've just got to pay those bills. By that, I mean promote our Patreon. Cha-ching. Good news, everyone. Everyone's favorite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. Yes, it is Tales of Futurama. Each week we'll be going back and revisiting every episode of the series, discussing the themes, gags, and all the Easter eggs you may not have seen the first time around. It's Tales of Futurama, available now exclusively at patreon.com slash discount.
The original air date of Diatribe of a Mad Housewife was January 25th, 2004. It was written by Robin J. Stein and directed by one Mark Kirkland. Oh, before we begin, just a little bit of nerdy trivia Mm -hmm. from yours truly. I'm going to assume that Diatribe of a Mad Housewife is a riff on the 1970 movie based on the 1967 novel by Sue Kaufman, Diary of a Mad Housewife. I Um, think you would be right. That would be a safe assumption. I I believe so. (laughs) um, By the way, I've not seen Diary of a Mad Housewife, uh, but I've read a bit of synopsis on it, and it sounds like an early attempt to catch the rising tide of the women's lib movement in the late 60s and early 70s, but it also sounds like a very 1960s and 70s movie. I don't know if it sounds all that great. Okay. Well, let us know, listeners, if you've seen it. (laughs) Indeed. I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) Had the guest stars Tom Clancy, Thomas... Pynchon, is that right? Pynchon? Pynchon, I Pynchon, believe, yeah. Yep. Or Pynchon. Mary, Mary Kate Pynchon. and Ashley Olsen. Yeah. The couch gag, there was no chalk gag, the couch gag, the Simpsons. Heads all pop out of a slice of apple pie and Homer takes a big bite out of the pie. What's your favourite slice of pie? What's your favourite flavour? I, I, li- I like a good apple pie. You like Macca's apple pies, I know that. I do, I enjoy those very much, perhaps more a, than I, I should. I've got a voucher, you can get two $1 apple pies. What, what? Mm. Ooh. I'll leave well, that in the letterbox. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> we can come to the door. I'll be more friendly this time. <laughs> what do you want? Oh, pies. <laughs> having said that, there will be the odd occasion when I'll go to the supermarket and I'll be you know, walking down the frozen section. Be like, you know what would be nice tonight is one of those Nana's things, like an apple and, apple and rhubarb or apple and black currant or something. Do you have it with cream? Ice cream. Ice cream. Okay. Yeah. Every once in a while. Not all the time. Every once in a while, particularly during winter, it's like, oh, oh, this would be nice. Raining outside, you know, you've got a nice apple pie in the uh, in the oven. Guy's taking his teeth out for this, guys. <laughs> What's that? So, guy's taking his teeth out for this one, guys. <laughs> yes. Why is this old person enjoying dessert? <laughs> anyway, quite nice. Why are they gumming their apple pie? <laughs> <laughs> That's real nice. <laughs> That's how the podcast is going to sound when we do season 30. <laughs> where where am I? <laughs> oh, what are we watching? The sh- the sh- the, the Simpsons. The, the Simps? <laughs> I never played Sim City. I don't know what this is. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the episode kicks off with uh, Homer ordering his food at Krusty Burger. And I, for some reason, got here. I'm really enjoying this. I was hungry at the time when I watched this. And it was satisfying my hunger. Just ordering all that junk food. You know, oh, everything yeah. was deep fried. It just it was a shitload of food. And you know when you go to like KFC or whatever, like it's always KFC for me, but you go to like a fast food restaurant or wherever you go, and you just order those couple of extras on the side. Even though you know you don't need them, you probably won't eat them. Just the idea of having the option. Oh yeah. Yeah, just I've got a bit of an appetite, you know, and I better have something in reserve. I'll have some extra chicken tenders and maybe a side of some chili fries or something. Yeah, and you know, t- the tenders aren't going to go off or anything like that. I mean, it's mm. not like you're getting, say, Macca's fries and you've got to eat oh, them. You've got to eat them within ten minutes of the shit. You, you really do. Otherwise, they just turn into the cardboard that they that they're packaged in. Yeah. Whereas tenders, you know, you can keep them in the fridge and wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, a midnight snack would be great. Oh, tender. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's real nice. Tender. <laughs> it needs to be tender because I haven't got any teeth. <laughs> oh, man. We've got to not introduce this character. <laughs> We're going to name him first, though. What's his name? Gummy. Gummy, okay. Gummy guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> also here, Homer orders everything mega size, and I've got, I miss this. Remember when we were allowed to order super size of everything? And oh, they, that's and right. That yeah. fucking guy released that movie and we weren't allowed to anymore? Yeah, that's right. Oh, super size me. Yeah. Megan, no, not Megan, fucking Mo- um, Morgan, Morgan Spurlock. Spurlock. Yeah, yeah. I remember, watching, I remember enjoying the movie, and I don't think I've, no, that wasn't the movie that put me off McDonald's. The movie that put me off McDonald's was the one where it was actually about McDonald's and how they became McDonald's. Oh, the one with Michael Keaton? Yeah. I was like, mm. fuck these guys. <laughs> fucking Michael Keaton, whatever that guy's name was, he fucked them over. He did to some degree, certainly. No, he 100% did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Homer's eating whilst driving. Not recommended, guys. I can never pull off a successful drive whilst eating. I either spill something on my lap or I drop something on the floor, the drink spills. Never, never, never a pleasant experience eating whilst driving. What about yourself? Here's the thing. Yeah. My, my buddy Anthony and I, when we were both reviewing movies on the regular, you'd go to Melbourne to see a preview. And then on the way back, invariably like, is that KFC just before the Westgate? Let's pull in and get some KFC. Oh, it's gone began, now. Began, it is. It's not I was there so anymore. sad when I went to Melbourne for the first time after the pandemic and it wasn't there. I was like, that was like the thing you always got on the way home from Macca's. Exactly. From, from Melbourne, sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> driving past it singing, this used to be my playground. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really sad because now it's I, I don't know if they're going to refurbish it or do anything else it's with it. It's a pie it, face just, now, and I'm like, Ugh. is it a pie? Fa- oh well, there's a pie face at the um at the servo. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah. But there's the Maccas next to the servo. <laughs> that's that maybe international listeners. That may be the most Australian thing I've ever said. <laughs> there's a Maccas next to the servo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, right now it's empty and it's, you know, all the KFC brands. You mean KFC's next to the server? Or is there a Macca's there now? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, KFC next to the server. Yeah, yeah. KFC next to the server. Was server. next to the server. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have a, an Aussie nickname for for KFC, do we? We used to say the Colonel, KFC. Well, yeah. used to, it, well, they used to brand themselves as Kentucky Fried Chicken, but now it's just KFC, I guess, isn't it? But they're bringing it back to Kentucky oh, Fried Chicken. We, we, we tend to say the Dirty Bird at work. <gasps> That's true, yeah. Although there is a local restaurant called Dirty Bird. Is that really? Oh. Yeah, I think it's affiliated with Burger Inc. <laughs> Welcome to Junk Food Weekly with Dando <laughs> and Guy. Jesus. But yeah, the, that KFC is now all the, brand, all the branding's off. It's been graffitied, been oh, tagged. You know, it's, by the, you know it's gone, by, it's been tagged. By the youth. <laughs> so, bit of a bummer. What are we talking about? Getting extra food. Yeah. yeah. So... Anthony and I would uh, stop off, get KFC, and I was driving. So I became quite adept at like, okay, do a little bit of unwrapping, holding the wheel with one hand and got the burger in one hand, wheel in the other. Fries down the side. Do, do, do you put fries, so you fries in between your legs or where do you put no, fries? No, no, in a little sort of, not a cup holder, but in the section between the, the Yeah, the I know seats. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would get Anthony to occasionally open my drink. That was that, but mostly I was self-sufficient. Sounds like a good friend. Yeah, never, I only got into one accident. Never actually, never got into an accident at all. I was pretty good at it. Okay, so you can eat and drive. I can't. Well, not like a three course meal or anything like requiring Homer. like a you, knife you, and fork. You didn't lay <laughs> down, lay down for extra lap space like Homer. <laughs> oh, why don't I just pull over? I like that. <laughs> that. That was great. And the crusty collectible under the brake pedal. I was like, oh, hey, that, that's the whole hey. purpose of getting a fucking fast food when you're kids. What toy they got this week? What toy have you got? <laughs> mom, mom, ask them what toy have they got. I've already got that one. Can you ask me if they've got this one? They haven't got it. It's <sighs> the only reason I came here. I remember years and years and years ago, yeah. many, many years ago, 
uh, I was in a I was at a Macca's in Hawaii, and a Star Trek movie just came out, and they had like Star Trek box meals, and um, me being a little nerd, and you know, <laughs> possibly on the spectrum, was like I have all three of these boxes, but I need that fourth box. And, <laughs> I think I re- my sister and my cousin were, they had the wheels and they were driving us through the drive I'm like, please, can I get that box? And I just held them up for fuck knows how long. <laughs> Don't find like, that one. Can I get that box, please? <laughs> <laughs> that was me trying to do Santa. Can I have that one, please? It's very important that you have the complete collection. That was my Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy. <laughs> I'm going to need that box. <laughs> And I think I got it in the end. I was pretty happy about that. Uh, I remember they had trading cards recently and Elliot really wanted the dinosaur ones. And then every time I'd ask, I'd get the dinosaur ones, the girls were just like, no, we don't have them this week. No, we don't have them this week. And I'm like, you didn't even look. You didn't even look. And then we went to the one in town, McDonald's in town. I said to the guys, you're probably not going to have them, I know, but do you have the dinosaur ones? And he was like, and the girl, the, the guy goes, oh. And then this girl who was like doing the, the soft serve is like, no, we don't have any. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure we saw some at the back. And I was like, my man, this guy understands boys yeah. and dinosaurs. So he, goes out, <laughs> so, he goes, okay. so he goes out the back, comes back about two minutes later, and he had the fucking dinosaur cards. See? Oh. He cared. <laughs> that guy's going places. Yeah, exactly right. And th- this chick's just like, we don't have any. I'm like, you don't, you shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're soft serve for life. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, never go, you'll never go to the grill. Homer ends up crashing the car through the barrier, tries calling the police, but there's no answer, so it stops. Then he crashes through Mr. Burns' office wall as the Department of National Security are about to sign off on the place. Um, what does Mr. Burns <laughs> say here? He's safe from bomb-toting Bolsheviks. Bo- bomb-toting Bolsheviks and golden-armed jazz bows. Yeah. Glad, you met, glad you brought that up, Dando, because to the best of my recollection, that is a bit of a reference to... A movie from the 50s, I believe, called The Man with the Golden Arm, in which uh, our man Frank Sinatra played a uh, a jazz drummer mm. uh, with a heroin habit, hence the golden arm, because he's you ah. know, putting a shit ton of money into the, into that uh, forearm of his. Oh, okay. I just, I also a good drummer. That's why he's got the golden arm, but he's also you know throwing a lot of money into it. That, that was, That's a pretty deep reference. I just thought it was That good. is a deep cut. <laughs> I just thought it was because jazz guys hold gold trumpets and stuff. <laughs> It could well be that too. No, but yours makes far more sense. We'll, we'll go with yours. Yours is far more impressive. But he runs over the inspector. And he says, promise me you'll report this. And Homer gets fired, obviously. I had a car too. They throw the car. Really, really gruesome looking Death. fatality. Mm. You know, when he first gets hit by the car, it looks a bit like, oh, what did Krusty use to combat Gabbo? What was his ventriloquist doll? Do you remember? Ah. Oh. No, I don't remember the double the one where he caves his head in and then kicks yeah, it towards the kids. Gets, <laughs> gets kicked into the That's what he looked like. He looked like the He sort of had that <laughs> look going on. That, that that extra layer of kicking it into the crowd is the greatest in that moment. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so much. Just the extra scream from the kids when he kicks it. <laughs> the kids all scatter. So brilliant. Oh, I love that. We should do, we should do Gabbo at some stage. We'll that really gets cancelled. We can do that episode. Yeah, let's do it. Go yeah. back and revisit it for the yeah. patrons. Listeners, if, if you're into it, would you like us? If you'd like to hear me just laughing <laughs> for like close to an hour. What? It's not real. <laughs> He'll tell us what to do. Everyone in- but anyway, but, but yeah. 
back to Dire Tribe yes, of the, the Housewife, yeah. which is also good. The hired goons are throwing the car back at home. So I've got here the hired goons. They look like they've aged since the... Like, you know, earlier I was like, goons? Hired goons? <laughs> <laughs> they look a bit older here, but they're marching. The kids are visiting a bookstore, Bookachinos. Oh, man. <laughs> Hopefully, some of us out there remember the glory days of Borders. Yeah. You know, where you could go in and browse for books, magazines, all this other good stuff, stop off and, okay. yeah, like March it. Well, I could use a muffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this a- is very 2004, isn't it? <laughs> so much so. I mean, it's terribly nerdy of me, but I do. some of my fondest memories involve either the openings of bookshops or the arrival of certain things at local newsagents. Yeah. Like there was this... There was this magazine that I used to, um, an American magazine that back when I was a, a, a teenager, uh, my sister used to bring it over when she'd come back from overseas. I'm like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. And you could get it at some places in Melbourne, but that had an, an obscene markup. Um, and then one day it was at my local news agency and I was like, what the fuck? Is this a mistake? <laughs> I'll just put this in my pocket now. I'll just, put, I'll just take this to the counter. They want me to pay this much for it. That's fine. That's not a whole lot. And then I I'm came back next month and it was store. there again. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah. And when Borders opened in Melbourne in the early 2000s, I think it was at the Jam Factory, it's like a world of entertainment, even though, you know, there have been bookshops forever. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, this one's got even more books. But it wasn't just a bookstore. You could go and hang out in there. You could indeed. Yes, it wasn't one of those places. Where, hey, this is in the library. They're like, come in, have a seat, have a read. Some of my best memories, I, I, like you said, I used to be very lucky in the sense that we were poor, but for some reason, mum still let me pay, like, like, use her money to subscribe to useless shit, like How My Body Works magazines and things like that, where it's like <laughs> each month a new book will come out with a small little body part that you have to put together and piece this human body. And the well, it's books, educational. She's teaching you. Yeah, I guess it's educational, but it's like I had so many subscriptions to so many different fucking magazines and books, and I'm like, no wonder we were poor. Yeah, but... Your mother, God bless her, is clearly recognising that these are the building blocks that will make Dando the Dando of today yeah, and possibly tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> of tomorrow. <laughs> but yes, uh, Bookachinos. Oh, like a good it place. looks like heaven. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> right, Lisa, I'm going to the fourth floor where the books are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like that, that you walk into this bookshop called Bookachinos and it's DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but it taunts the PhDs. I've seen as an assistant profession, professorship that's just opened up. Margin sees, what's the name? Esme Delacroix, is that right? Esme Delacroix. Yes, she's doing a book reading. <gasps> Esme Delacroix? She wrote to kiss a scoundrel. And they tumbled to the heather, breeches to bustle, crinoline to burlap, their mansion in ashes, their passion aflame. End of chapter one. Yeah, when it happens in a book, it's romantic. But when Willie tries to kiss you, you're all pepper spray and fingernails. <clears throat> Marge Simpson, long-time reader, first-time stander-upper. Did you have any special training to become a writer? Oh, just a class at the Y, Yale University. But anyone with passion can write. Anyone? If I write a book, will they tell me when it comes out? Well, they should, yes. Then I'll do it. Lovely bit from a long-time reader. First time stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
Homer is then looking for a job, but he finds one at Boris's car loft. He says he's going to steal the sign and hopefully they'll pay him to make a new one. But no, because he's a scammer, they give him a job as a car salesman. And a nice suit. You probably want to talk this over, so I'll leave you two alone. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, honey, what do you think? Did that salesman cut one during the test drive? Yeah, and for some reason he turned on the radio to cover up the smell. Let's get out of here. I'm not shaking that guy's hand. I'll be back. Let's leave. I'm not shaking that guy's hand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Cut one. (laughs) I just love the look on Homer's face as he turns the radio up. This is the second time. (laughs) I just love that mindset of like, <laughs> this will distract him. Yeah. Then he blows up the inflatable guy. He blows away, so he just starts doing it himself. Then he notices the mm. 60s ambulance. Ooh, a lot of hippies were denied care in this thing. <laughs> and the guy explains that, you know, the um, the engine's, engine's rusted, rusted. The, the brakes, brakes are shot, aren't they? No one's, no one's going to want this. The only thing that works is the siren. Buy me, buy me, buy me. That's what it's like. <laughs> Is it Ralph Wiggum's voice? I don't know what it is. It's just meant to be the siren. It sounds, it sounds, like, sounds like Ralph. Kind of, yeah. But it's like when you go into a, a store... And, you know, I don't need a new TV. But then I see the latest 85-inch television and it's just like, buy me, buy me. And for some <laughs> reason, the shit they show in the store always looks so much clearer than what the TV is when you get it at home. Oh, thank God. I thought it was just me. I'm like, why does my TV not look like the shit that I saw in the shop? Like, what? Yeah. What is it? Some why sort does of- this not look like a window into the Amazon rainforest? Is it like wizardry? Like, what, what is it? Do they miss Yeah. Is there a special setting for in-shop? That's the thing. Okay, well, I always look for my TV. Is there an in-shop setting? Because the ones that's in the shop always look way better. I bought this TV and I'm like, in the shop, like, I convinced Nicola by her standing in front of the TV and looking. I'm like, look at this. Look at it. Look. <laughs> <laughs> She's like... Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm like, and we get a home and I'm like, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. My guess is that the fine folks at JB or the good guys or whoever, actually, there may be like some freelancer who goes from outlet to outlet and adjusts the lighting and the yeah, shadows sure. and all that kind of stuff and positions the TVs just so. And it's like, oh my God, I've never seen colours so bright and vivid. It literally looks like, like you said, like a, a window into a new world. Yeah, or it looks like, holy shit, Spider-Man is swinging through, you know, New York right in front of me. Yeah. Why does he do it in my house? (laughs) Then you get home, you've upgraded all your shit to 4K. It's like, this looks like TV. What the fuck? (laughs) I know, I got a 4K player and I'm like, so it just... He's like, oh, I'm I'm bracing myself to be like that old poster from the 80s, you know, with the guy sitting in the chair, the one, the Millhouse one. Oh yeah, where it was the blowing the yeah, yeah the, where it just yeah, where it just blows your mind. I'm like, yeah, more of the same. Yeah, yeah, I know. I put the 4K and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's. I got my same. Yeah, I got a 4K blue, a 4K display, and a and a kick-ass new TV. I'm like, time to drag out my 4K disc of Inception and just get my mind blown. It's like this is just Inception. This is what the hell. <laughs> Did I put the Blu-ray in? What's going on here? <laughs> Did I put in a VHS? What the fuck? <laughs> Guess what? I quit my job as a used car salesman. You work at the nuclear plant. Get with the program, Arch. Your husband is now an ambulance driver. Don't you need training for that? Maybe on planet Zuzu. Hey, I think it's cool. I can defibrillate Lisa. Not if I pump your heart full of morphine first. 
kids, kids, those aren't your toys. They're to keep Daddy asleep and awake. Get oh, I'm gonna need him on my first ship tonight. Tonight? But I was hoping you could watch the kids while I work on my novel. Slow down, Picasso. You were gonna start a novel without informing me? Homer, you left two jobs and bought an ambulance without even a phone call. I also fed some ducklings. I know. I got your message. Fine, fine. I'll take the kids tonight, and you go to your precious hair appointment. I'm writing a novel! Whatever, but I think you look great already. Thank you. The whole, oh, slow down, Picasso. You're going to start a novel without informing me? Now, I know that's ramping up the jackass Homer kind of Mm. switch or levels or something like that. And I know we're not meant to take it seriously, seriously, but at the same time... Mm. <laughs> don't do <laughs> this to your partner. <laughs> yeah, first of all, don't do this to your partner. And secondly, we hey, we've taken this ride before. <laughs> yeah, true. Yep, yep. Um, but he agrees to watch the kids, take them with him whilst Marge writes her novel. Yes, but, but although he thinks she's going to go get her hair done because, hey, you look great. Marge is looking for inspiration. She looks at the painting, which never really gets mentioned. It's, it's always there, but it's never mentioned, really, the painting on the mm. wall with the, with the boat. And she says, I'll write a novel about whaling. Thank you, scene <laughs> from Moby Dick. Starts writing chapter one, starts and beginnings, and then not long. I've got here, this might be Guy. Brownie break! <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> N- never more relatable. Do, you know, do, I mean. do, do you, When you're writing something right, because you've written something before, and I've written a book, but you know, when you're writing a novel of your kind that you've written, or you write screenplays, don't you, more so? Bit of everything. Yeah. How long until you reward yourself? Three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, it varies, certainly. Um, sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's like, oh, I've written three pages here. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. You know, you do that every day and, you know, you'll have a, you'll have a screenplay in like a month. That's great. <laughs> and, yes, then you go and, like, have a brownie break or it's like, well, I'll tell you what, trying to do a bit of left brain, right brain thing, I'm going to go clean the kitchen or fold that laundry and, you know, my brain will be working subconsciously and then I'll come back to the computer or come back to the typewriter and the work's basically going to do itself, except it never does. It never does itself. How long till you get angry at yourself? Oh, all the time. Three minutes. I'm like the Hulk. I'm like Bruce Banner. I'm always angry. I can imagine how frustrating it would be when you just, you know you've got the story there, but you just can't quite get it to paper. There's... I think I showed it to you. I, I, I know I was working at Pop Culture when I first saw it, but it's the, the best meme ever. <laughs> it's like writers when they come up with a story and it's, uh, who's the baboon that holds up little lion print? Yeah, Rafiki holding the, up. The uh, lion prince. <laughs> yeah, the lion prince. It's like, this is my story. And then it's like, in reality, it's it's Maggie wearing, I'm a stupid baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in your head, Final product. Yeah. I'm a stupid baby. It just made me laugh so much. Uh, she finishes the first paragraph. She's very proud of herself. She's doing a spell check. I just like how proud she is that she's doing something creative again. Absolutely. Uh, and then Homer's driving comic book guy to the hospital. Where to, Mac? For the third time, the hospital. You're an ambulance, not a taxi. Hospital, eh? Well, everyone's going there tonight. Dad, you've been driving in circles for 20 minutes. Why don't you just admit you don't know where the hospital is? Why don't you admit I know it's around here somewhere? Marge then writes uh, a chapter about the perfect husband bringing home a whale to eat. And everything's going well and she's very happy. And then Homer arrives and 
just again not being very nice just not paying any attention not not congratulating her not asking how she is asking how the book's going yeah no just rips rips his uh opens up his belly and gets some dinner yeah you, you take take makes her take his food order so she rewrites that paragraph and she turns him into Mordecai and he's returned from <laughs> Portsmouth now let me get my tongue down Yarmouth fantastic <laughs> I thought you would have been one of my, one of my favorite bits <laughs> and he brings home the seagull to eat and goes to Mobes. And then much says the story is as dark as the new Milky Way bars. I assumed they were dark at the time, dark chocolate or something. I'm guessing maybe they, you know, pulled a bit of a Coke Classic or New Coke or yeah. whatever, and it's like, let's fuck with a formula that everybody likes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they get angry, we'll go back to the original one. Yeah. <laughs> the stud arrives with a stud detector, Flanders. And he's just very nice. You know, they have something, I think it was two for one, so he got one for Marge as well at the yeah. Krusty Depot. And then he says, you know, you've been considered as old-fashioned. I guess I'm a caveman if they existed, which they didn't. But then Marge gets the idea, maybe I can write Flanders into the story. And she writes Flanders as Cyrus Manley, who compliments <laughs> her New England hump and temperance and shows him around because Homer's too busy kissing a mermaid or Mordecai's too busy kissing a mermaid. Well, not even a mermaid, the, the, the figurehead the, the, the figure, on the <laughs> checks that he's not gay tell me thou out not a sodomite <laughs> I love that he he's known the cleansing touch of soap yes because you ever think about this people in the old days just must have stank yeah they stank the joint up <laughs> <laughs> but he demands to see temperance with her hat off that hair reveal was yeah. pretty good yeah very good and Marge is very hot and heavy now so suggestive but this is very much snuggling cells <laughs> Dare I push print? She does. Lisa gives the first uh, proofread to give her thoughts. I can't believe Mom wrote a book before we did. And it's a little trashy. Mom has expressed herself. We should nurture her. Let's kiss boys. Binge and purge. Rock and roll. You're not getting out till we're 16. Lisa suggests to Marge, maybe Homer should read this book first because you've gone a little hard on him. And she agrees, you know, since your father is a, a private person. Meanwhile, he's outside naked, chasing <laughs> after the ice cream man. <laughs> have, have you ever been out your backyard, at your property with nothing on? Uh, yes. All the time? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you think, like, have you ever... On just, a hot night in the dark. In the dark? So, uh, okay. So you're, oh, yeah. So you're in bed? No, 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 no. It's like the evening, but it's dark. Oh, okay. And just completely just starkers? Yeah. yeah. Gone and had a beer. <laughs> I have been in my backyard numerous times with nothing on. And it's usually at night. But sometimes when it's a hot summer night, you're just like, yep, free and easy. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's a good thing to do. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not driving down property values in the neighborhood, then, you know, have at it, man. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, li- I like that Homer was... Willing to read the book, he, 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 yeah. He's like, No, no, I'm gonna settle down. I've you know, I'll make myself comfortable. I've got my glasses, I've got my reading glasses on. I know it's a lot of, lot of pages, a whole 287. This is, is double space, so he's halfway through. Yeah, 268. I know 286, please, sir. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, terrible memory, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's willing to, to do the hard yard, so yep. to speak. Yep. But unfortunately, like so many of us, um. His attention span is just shot. Gets distracted by the word distracted. Yes, indeed. Because who the hell has been racked it ever? Yeah. And he goes to call the suicide hotline to see if anyone has been. 
Then they're in bed and Marsh says, "Did you? what do you think about the book? Homer lies, like the, the eyes moving gag. Yeah. <laughs> he lies about it, but they've got the great line, now for the happy period between the lie and the time she finds out. <laughs> We've all been there. Publisher then calls Marsh and says, this is the best first novel that she's ever read or that the best one that her uh, assistant has ever summarized for her, I should say. <laughs> Just need some endorsements now for some famous writers. Q. Thomas Pynchon. It was really good, <laughs> the fact that you know, he had the, the, the bag on and everything. And just yeah, Thomas Pynchon's house. Wanting attention, but also not wanting to reveal who he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I talked about this the other day, actually, on Twitter. Um, I'll see if we can find this. I, I was actually pretty pleased with uh, how I talked about this. There was some guy wrote a list of Generation X traits, and then I got talking with my friend Mike about it. By the way, Mike is the guy who wrote that article in The Guardian. Mm-hmm. I put it up on, dog, the, yep. on, the, on the Facebook page. Everyone seemed to enjoy that, or a lot of people did. And Mike and I are both Gen X, so we were sort of talking about it a bit. And then we were talking about, oh, Mike made a joke about, oh, I feel seen by that article. I'm like, nah, feeling seen's for millennials, man. Gen X just wants to be left alone. And someone said, oh, you want to be left alone, do you? Yeah, well... I want to be left alone but conspicuously, like, well, that guy's too cool to bother. <laughs> and then when I am finally seen, it's by the people who I want to see me. And that's it. No one else. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good little riff. What is your Twitter? Um, my, my Twitter handle is at Robert Guy Davis. Robert Guy, at Robert Guy Davis. Make sure you all out there listening right now, follow him, Robert Guy Davis. Here's your quote. Thomas Pinchon loved this book almost as much as he loves cameras. Hey, over here, have your picture taken with a reclusive author. Today only, we'll throw in a free autograph. But wait, there's more. Hello, this is Tom Clancy. Would I say, if you're hunting for a good read this October, Martin Simpson's book is a clear and present danger to your free time? Hell no, I wouldn't. What do you mean I just said it? That doesn't count. Hello? Hello? Lisa tells Bart that Homer cannot read this book because he will be humiliated. Well, he won't read it. What do they make it to a movie? Eh, he won't see it. What about a Mad TV sketch? My dude. <laughs> Mad TV, is that still a thing? I don't believe it is, but I think it lasted longer than anyone than thought. anyone expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a poor man's SNL, right? Very much so, yeah. But mm. I'm trying to think who the biggest star to come out of Mad TV. Well, yeah, that's because that bald guy who's sort of like that guy you see in movies, but he's never the main actor. The big heavy set yeah, bald guy? Yeah. Yeah. Will, Will Sasso, I think his name is. Okay. I've, se- I've seen him in numerous things. Yeah. Now he's popped up in a bunch of stuff. Will Sasso, let's have a look. Will Sasso, what's yeah. his wiki? What's, what's, what would be the one it, thing I remember him from? He was Curly in the Three Stooges that movie. That might be it, yeah. And that was actually pretty funny. I heard it was shithouse, but okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I heard it was shit. He's in a lot of movies here that don't even have a wiki page, so they must have been stinkers. <laughs> uh, eh, it, it's a living. Someone got paid. But anyway, yeah, good for him. He's um he, he I, I remember I just remember him. He was usually the guy on Mad TV whenever I flicked it on to see what it was. It was mm. Mad TV was that show that used to be like be on before something that I wanted to watch. Yeah, I catch like, I remember being minutes. on Channel Nine, like oh, at ten thirty okay. or eleven thirty or something. Okay, yeah, it was always on late at night. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, they'll be doomed if they let Homer read this. Homer is then chatting to someone in the back. Ah, so how much drink? Uh, please, did you drink? Huh, not a talk, right? <laughs> Marge is then doing a book signing because the book has been published this is where Dr. Marvin Monroe makes his big return to the show and meanwhile Helen Lovejoy is 
<laughs> building up some gossip. Oh, can you believe doing, this, this is homework. doing the Helen Joy Helen Lovejoy thing? Yeah, yeah. And Otto points out that it's definitely Marge because changes to Marge for three paragraphs on page seventy-two. Everyone then's chatting about it. Even Mo calls the pizza shop about it. He wants him to spell the the toppings like Happy Birthday Mo because he's just so lonely. I really like the next bit here. So Homer's at the Quickie Mart looking for a crazy straw to help a guy who's got a broken back to make him feel better. And a poo calls him a cuckold of boob, and I was like, oh, it's a bit raunchy for the Simpsons. A little bit. I was like, oh my. But he's talking real suggestively because that's hey when you learn English from porno movies. <laughs> that joke would work if we haven't heard a poo talk normally for like the last fourteen seasons. Very correct. Yeah. Yes. Oh, by the way, just to rewind a little bit, um, you know who was on Mad TV? Mm-hmm. Phil Lamar from uh, from Futurama, which is a, oh, a show yes. that we yes, yes. that we talk about quite a bit on Tales of Futurama. Mm, available on Patreon. From, Yes, from your friends at the Four Figure Discount Network. Key and Peel were on uh, Mad really? TV. Really? Okay. Hmm. And a lot of other people who are like, eh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Homer races home because now he's been it's been brought to his attention that Flanders is the, the not the love of Marge's life, but she lusts for him. So just, yes, uh, indeed. Uh, apparently, and anyway. Me- yeah. And meanwhile, Marge is working on uh, the sequel to mm. The Harpoon Heart. I was like, what's it called? Thunder Down Under. And it's like, she stared at the shrimp on the barbie. And I'm like, oh, really? Still? 2004? Come on, guys. Can we get past this? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to read Marge's book. And I swore never to read again after To Kill a Mockingbird gave me no useful advice on killing mockingbirds. It did teach me not to judge a man based on the color of his skin. But what good does that do me? The Harpoon Heart. Hmm, book on tape. It's read by Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. The Harpooned Heart by Marge Simpson. Your turn, Mary-Kate. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Her name was Temperance Sparrows, and her heart was heavy with feeling. Take it, Ashley. Temperance was trapped in a loveless marriage. Bummer. I didn't know people were sad in the past. (laughs) Over to you, Ashley. I'm surprised that the Olsen twins were willing to almost like take the mickey out of themselves. They seem very sensitive to that kind of thing maybe yeah but you know if you're gonna do that kind of thing i think you do it in a controlled environment like the simpsons where it's like yeah they're gonna they're not gonna you know rib me too much you have to agree to the terms yeah yeah and plus let's see what is this 2000 and what four yep i'm wondering what stage the olsen twins were at that stage if they were like they were doing video games and okay releasing perfumes yeah, and probably worth like a billion dollars. Yeah, like, they'll, hey, they'll, hey. they'll pass the point of the Olsen Twins Christmas specials and stuff like that. Yeah, they weren't doing like uh, the Olsen Twins detective stories or something. Or I remember there was an Olsen Twin TV movie that I used to actually enjoy when I was a kid. It was about them like being lost from home or something. They're trying to find their way back home for Christmas or something. Not at all like Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember really enjoying it as a kid. I have to look it up what it's called. Let's, let's look it up. Olsen Twin let's- movie. It's because he had a crush on Mary-Kate. Or was it Ashley? You did. No. I was like, what? (laughs) You. Olsen Twin TV movie. Uh, Wow, a lot of movies apparently. They they were workers, the Olsen Twins. To Grandmother's House We Go. I bet you that was the one. TV movie. Yeah, because they're on their way to Grandma's house. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so Homer's arrived home. He's really annoyed. That um that Marge wrote about him like this way in her book. And he's like, well, well, you said it was okay. You didn't read it. I didn't lie. I was writing fiction with my mouth. And he vows to not let Marge use her imagination anymore. He goes over to Flanders' house, knocks on the door. We get him bursting with his arms through the door. And Nelson's there. And, <laughs> Stealing mats. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And he chases after him. Lisa's like, oh, no. 
this, this isn't going to end well for, for Ned if it ends the same way as, as Mum's book. And she explains the ending to Bart, where Mordecai kills Cyrus because he was going to be the father of his next child. And the whale dies as well, blah, blah, blah. We get the ending. <laughs> so during this, you know, now, now that your boyfriend's dead, I'm free to be selfish and drunk, emotionally distant, sexually ungenerous. <laughs> I was like, pissy. <laughs> yep, we've all been there. <laughs> Flanders uh, pulls over because Homer's in an ambulance. Oh, well, he's got me there. And he goes to the same place that it seems that's in the book that Marge describes on the cliff there. And he, he thinks his life's over. He gets down on his knees. He prays for uh, a pleasant beating, like a painless one. But then he opens his eyes and Homer's actually on his knees begging mm. for advice. You know, can you help me be a better husband? And I was like, I'm glad the episode has gone this way. So am I. But at the same time, as I said before, Homer's been in this position so many times and none of these lessons ever take... I appreciate that he's got a good heart and good intentions, but at the same time, learn a fucking lesson, buddy. Yeah, it's the same story over and over, I guess, when you say it that way. But yes, I like here, yeah, background doesn't have to lead to adult situations. Why? <laughs> oh, to make her feel good. That's good background <laughs> advice. Yeah, it really um, is. <laughs> also, I like that... Um, that Marge showed up and threw in a very 90s sort of, um, I don't know, reference. Please, homie, don't hurt him. A shout out to please, hammer, don't hurt him. Oh, I, that the reference em- is lost on me. Maybe it wasn't there at all. Maybe I'm just sort of, <laughs> that's a big stretch. Oh, we're good guy. at that. We're good at that. <laughs> but Marge realises that Homer's actually trying to improve himself because of her book, which is a nice sort of way of making the stories full circle. And Homer says, don't worry about the reviews, even though they're bad. Let's go home and collaborate on a project of our own. You assume sex, but no, or <laughs> adult situations, but no, it's actually time to work out who killed JFK. Yes, indeed. But uh, once again, Homer is fucking it all up because Jack Ruby, not actually a jewel, but a person. Yes. <laughs> so that is Diatribe of a Mad Housewife, another enjoyable episode from season 15. I think season 15 is on a bit of a roll at the moment. It's not too bad, as as we've said about the previous episode, a perfectly good sitcom episode. Yeah. 15 seasons in, that's sort of what you can expect. I mean, and, and I might say it's the best you can get. When they're doing 22 episodes a season as well, not like an English show, it's like six episodes. Like This is a lot of fucking episodes. Yeah, not like those English slackers. I mean, these Americans <laughs> are churning it out. Another thumbs up episode, uh, Diatribe of a Mad Housewife for sure. Indeed, I am giving it a thumbs up, even if you can't see it. Trust me, I am. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Um, if you're going to write a uh, romance novel, you've got to get some scoundrels in there. You do. It's a good scoundrel, yeah. But, mm. uh, but it's like, sometimes... Is there a difference between a bad boy and a scoundrel? Not much, I don't think. I think the bad boys are like scoundrels that women find attractive. Scoundrels are just like... Ugh. Oh, no, I thought scoundrels were attractive. I thought scandals were like... And bad boys are also attractive. I thought thought Mordecai was a scandal because he was just a horrible person where bad boys are bad and you can change them. Oh, possibly. But then... Oh, so do you evolve from being a bad boy into a scoundrel? Yeah, if you you never better yourself. Or if you don't find the right woman to better you, to make you better. Yes. Listeners, give us your thoughts on this. I mean... Define scandal. Yeah, I personally think bad boy and scandal are synonymous. Mm -hmm. uh, But you may think differently. I've learned on this episode that I need to take a whole new approach to back rubs. <laughs> That's it. Every, every time you've given me a back rub, it, it tends to lead to an adult situation. I'm like, what about my pleasure? Yeah, Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sexually ungenerous, I've got to say. <laughs> From this day forward, your name shall be... 
It is now time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. The current leaderboard stands at this. In first position on 11 points, we have Nora Coker. In second position, we have Garode Harrahill. And in third position, we have a three-way tie with Luke McKay, Philip Hawkins, and Jordan Saville. Take it away. All right, then. A lot of good uh, new names this time around. Mm -hmm. One honourable mention before we get to the actual points. Uh, And a little background as to why this is an honourable mention, because this is an American show and this particular book imprint is more English and American. So it probably plays a bit better outside the US. Uh, But it is honourable mention, mm, Mills and Boone. (laughs) That one was a Neil Parks. Ah, well done, Neil Parks, for a notable mention. (laughs) Notable mention. (laughs) No points, but uh, you can still feel pretty good about yourself. Tell you who does get points, though. The people who came up with these ones. Mm. Two people get one point each. By the way, guys, as we said, Guy now goes in blind. I send him the new names. He doesn't know who have written these names. Mm. He's finding out for you guys. He's finding out the same time as you guys. I'm just about to be surprised as anyone when Dando reads out who gave us these particular new names. One point each go to... Plain Austin. Which was Luke McKay, which now puts him equal second with Garoad on eight points. Nice work. And also one point to Margerton. Which was Nora Coker, which now puts her <laughs> even further ahead on our 12 points. There we go. <laughs> of course, riffs on Jane Austen and the Netflix hit Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane Austen didn't... Oh, there was romance in Jane Austen's stories, but she, weren't, she wasn't exactly a romance writer. But anyway, you know, yes. what, you know where I'm coming from uh two points go to this is a bit long and a wieldy that's what she said but (laughs) here's the new title for two points what will we do with a drunk and neighbor well done garoad harahill garoad taking the taking the high garoad yes he's now outright second on 10 points but who? Well, it depends on who uh, gets these next three oh, points. That's exactly right. Yeah. And look, it's a simple one, but it's an effective one. It gets the job done. Maybe the best out of the whole bunch. True domats. Well done to the one and only Brian Hughes. Husey. Husey's now on five points, which puts him equal fourth or fifth around about that mark. But that's his first yeah. three pointer, I believe. So well done, Brian. Whoosh. Good title. True. What is it? True Domance. Domance. You do love a good Domance, don't you? I do indeed. <laughs> so that is the I Guy Davis indeed. new name championship for Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. The current leaderboard now stands. First position, still Nora Coker on 12 points. Garode Harrahill on 10 points. And in third position on eight points, Luke McKay. Well done to everybody for your new names this week. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis new name championship, you just got to be a $1 plus patron at patreon.com slash for finger discount where you get access to the Facebook group. All right, Mr. Davis, it's now time to reach in to that mailbag. Ooh. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! All right, first question here comes from George McMenemy. As a writer, would you consider writing airport bookshelf-style romance novels under a pen name for that sweet, sweet dollary do? Well, if you're good at it, yes. why not? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, th- I think we sell our brothers and sisters, particularly sisters, uh, who write romance fiction short. I think there's a lot of uh, mindset out there that's like, oh, God, it's so easy. Not that easy. No. <laughs> um, we all like to think we can do things and do it better, but then we go yes. to do it and we go, oh, we're actually not very good at anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go quite that far. That's my that, self-esteem. Yeah, but, but it would be... I know there are certainly times when I've looked at um, airport thrillers mm. or you know, a young adult uh, supernatural fiction or even just sort of flick through a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey and go, oh, God, I could do better than this. Maybe it's not doing better than that. I mean, <laughs> I I think you have to do something very specific if you want to hit, like, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, and I don't know if they – I don't know if E.L. – what's it, E.L. James, who wrote, uh, who wrote the Fifty Shades books? No idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if they hit the bullseye by accident, if they were just sort of, like, they closed their eyes and drew the – bowstring back and let fly. Was it just a word of mouth thing though, really? Maybe. And, it, and it, once, mean, once you hooked it with the first one, they're like, well, I'm going to have to see the next one. I've got to see how this plays out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I feel like though, to be a good airport romantic, romantic uh, romance novel writer, you never necessarily need to be a good writer. You just need to know how to have a good cover design and write a good blurb on the back. Well, that certainly helps. But, and I think you have to know the format as well. Apparently there's kind of a template or a, you know, okay a guideline or a list of rules and um, recommendations that you go by. But, you know, it's that sweet, sweet sort of alchemy and chemistry that's like, yeah, this person knows how to do it. You know, and I don't think everyone knows how to do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I could make some sweet, sweet bank by quote-unquote cashing in and writing a romance, well, yeah, I'd do it. But, I'd, yeah, I don't know if I've got that in me. <laughs> Harrison McClure. I'm just not a romantic. <laughs> if you could have any kind of specialised car, what would you have and why would it be a DeLorean? Well, I know nothing <laughs> about cars, but I would love to drive around in one of the green, yellow and red Jeeps from Jurassic Park. Ooh. I'm not a fan of the red and uh, skin tone colour one. I like the, the red, green and yellow okay. one. <laughs> the old school one. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the other one's in. The, so one of them's for the ride and one of them's just like the park ranger. Okay. So, the, so the the Park Ranger one's the one with the red that they drive out when they go see the um, go see the Bront the Brontosaurus, the Brachiosaurus for the first time, that kind of thing. But when you're on the actual ride through Jurassic Park, the tour, it's the red, green, and yellow ones. That's the okay. theme park ones. I, I want one of those ones. <laughs> uh, if we're talking like uh, pop fiction, pop culture cars, you want a Mad culture, Max one, wouldn't you? Um, an Interceptor would be fantastic. The V8 Interceptor would be rad. Or the Tumbler. Batman's mm-hmm. Tumbler yeah. from the from the Nolan ones, the yep. Batman for the the Bale ones. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Any um, form of Batmobile would be awesome. Imagine driving through town in a fucking Batmobile, or even the Patterson one. The Patterson one is sick. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, good. Mm. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And um, coming to HBO Max in the US, I think next week. Get those VPNs ready. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that that would be that would be my ride of choice. One last question here from Becky Manners: What book do you wish you could reread for the first time? I think she's assuming that as if you've never read it again. It's kind of like I wish I can go back and watch some Simpsons episodes, mm. not remembering. That's what's happening now with season fifteen. I know I've seen these ones. Cause I remember watching it still, but I don't remember it. So it's like I'm watching it for the first time, which is cool. Yeah. But what, what book do you think do you wish you could reread? One of my favorite books, and I was when I was little, mm. uh, was The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells because I listened to the Jeff Lynne musical version. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. It's the fucking best. I love it's it. It's so good. It is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
that turned me onto the book and look, I was probably way too young to be reading it, not really getting it, but at the same time I sort of I'd gleaned enough of the story from the musical version to like, oh okay, so this is what's happening here and all this kind of stuff. And I get the feeling if I could if I'd given myself a few more years and read it when I was like maybe a like a young teenager or something and had a little more knowledge under my belt, so to speak, then I probably would have dug it a lot more. So yeah, because I really loved the War of the Worlds when I was when I was a kid, and I get the feeling that if yeah, if I I'd read it with a bit more uh, experience, yep. shall we say, I would have enjoyed it more. I remember going to JB Hi-Fi last year sometime, and you'd give me a gift card for my birthday, fifty dollars gift card for JB. And I remember looking around going. Oh, there's nothing here that I really want. See, the problem is I go through the movie section now and I'm like, oh, it's on Disney Plus or it's on this. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to, why, why waste money? Mm. I'm like, Man, I've never been to JB Hi-Fi before and never found anything that I want to just buy for the sake of buying. And this beam of light came through the window at the top and it went, shoo, and it shone down onto this onto the shelf. And I was like, that's telling <laughs> me something. And I looked over there. As I got closer, I could see these words that said, War of the World soundtrack. And I was like, oh, I was like, I need it. I must have this. <laughs> was this on LP? Or? On LP, yeah, double LP. Oh, nice. I think it might even be four. No, actually, no, it's just two. It's four yeah. sides, yeah, double LP. And yeah, it's the Jeff Lynne one. Yeah, because that, uh, that uh, Jeff Wayne. Jeff Wayne, sorry, sorry, Jeff Wayne. Jeff Lynne's fucking... Jeff Lynne's ELO. ELO, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and, the, an ELO cover, version of War Words would be amazing. Yeah. It would be really good. Uh, but, the, yeah, the cover of... Um, of the War of the Worlds, a musical version with that the tripod in the river and the, yeah. the the little boat and all that Thunder Child, I believe it was. My my uncle Darren, listener of the show, he actually, up, he actually has the original record right, which came with a poster that you could fold out, and he got that put into a frame and it's on the wall in his living room. <laughs> it's fucking rad. It's the, it's, the, talk- it's, the, it's the front cover. Yeah, we have talked about War of the Worlds in the past, and I've mentioned that um, we didn't. I, I think we had a record player when I was growing up, but we didn't really use it all that much. We listened, we bought a lot of tapes. Yeah. Um, well, that was the novelty, and I, now it's easier. And it was, yeah, and it was a double double cassette, but it didn't come with the poster or the booklet. And I was like, I bet I went to booklet. <laughs> um, so I, you know, it said in the tape, you know, you fold out the, the, um, the insert and all that. It's like, write down your name and address on this and send it away and we'll send it to you. And I did all that very diligently, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, put it in the mailbox, and it never came. Oh, man. I think we may have told this story before. It's pretty I sad. have told that story before. <laughs> it's a pretty bad story. And, and it never gets happier. <laughs> no. Oh, man. There is a, a, a lost art to... That's why I buy the records, because I love taking the booklet out. or the, the, It might just be like a one-sheet. Out and mm. just just read and reading every detail. My uncle says, like when he used to buy records, he read every detail that was on that cover, on the inside. That's why yeah. I think it was Paul McCartney said when they made a record, they wanted to include as many things as possible. I think it was Sergeant Pepper had the fold out and it popped up yeah. and a booklet and stuff. Yeah, a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of great details in the in the artwork. Yeah. Uh, you know, liner notes, uh, lyrics. Got to have the lyrics. I used to love uh, getting like. VHS and like DVDs even you open it up and there's a little like advertisement booklet inside I'm like oh what's coming oh, yeah. out soon <laughs> yeah there's a really um, a really good label called Arrow Video mm-hmm. uh, based out of the UK primarily if you're listening guys from Arrow Video big fan in Geelong not hint hint but you know what I mean um, sent to the four finger discount um, <laughs> but 
but they will include and, and they they sort of specialize in remastered and hyped up older movies. Oh. I mean, true right well, true romance based on true romance. They brought it true romance recently, upgraded to 4K, a oh, few wow. extra features and all that kind of business. Cool. But something they'll insert in is I'll have like a postcard that's like Oh, they haven't announced. Oh, is this an upcoming title from so and so? You know, so they're always laying little um, breadcrumbs out there for like, mm, that's right, we might be bringing this one out in the near future. Yeah. I also used to like when you opened up, a, it used to be more VHS covers, but you open them up and there'll be an advertisement on the back of the of the sleeve. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> don't forget this one as well. And I'm like, I won't forget buying that one either. Thank you for telling me VHS cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just suckers and slaves to the marketing department, but yes. Know, what are you going to do? But this has been our review of Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. Good times had by all. Next episode of Four Finger Discount will be our review of Magical History Tour. Speaking of the Beatles there. Wow. Looking forward to that one. Let's see what that one shall be. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. It would be much much appreciated. Also, send your questions or messages through to SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod, at Four Finger Discount on Facebook and Instagram. And Mr. Davis, one final thing. I hope you have a very happy Easter. A merry Easter to you and the rest of the Dando clan. I hope you all stuff yourselves with hot crossies and and delightful chocolate on the day. May the may the bunny do right by you. I hope you guys all listening out there all have a fantastic Christmas as oh not Christmas Easter I should say Christmas Easter they're all the same thing. (laughs) They're really not. They're all they're all to do with Jesus. (laughs) Hope you all have a great Easter and enjoy as much uh, chocolate or however you do choose to celebrate it. This year we're not doing too much chocolate in the Dando household. We're on a bit of a health not a health kick, but we're just trying to go. You don't have to buy three hundred Easter eggs. We're just getting Elliot. A, a, a small pack of the mini Easter eggs and like the, the small ones, just to hunt for a bit of fun. And we're getting like one present. And he chose the T Rex, the big new T Rex from Jurassic World Dominion. So that's his present for Easter and some small Easter eggs. I didn't know you did Easter presents. I mean, well, it's just, well, I feel my, my, my mindset was what's more, what, what's more bang for your buck? Like, could I, could I, I could spend. 30 bucks or 40 bucks on fucking useless chocolate that's either going to get eaten by myself and Nicola. Chocolate is never useless, dude. It's, it is for me. I'm not a huge chocolate fan. Nicola, I know, I but you. Nicola doesn't want the chocolate in the house because she's like, if it's in the house, I'll eat it. So she doesn't want the chocolate in the house. So I'm like, you can buy one, you can get one present. He's like, T-Rex, I need the T-Rex, I need it. So, I need it. Yes. Also, guys, one last thing. Uh, check out, if you haven't subscribed to our my Nerd Daddy channel, find it on uh YouTube at Nerd Daddy TV, where Elliot, myself, Holly, even Nicholas sometimes jump on there and we review toys and just do some random videos. The latest one, we did a bit of a toy hunt for some Jurassic World Dominion toys. And today I'm about to upload an unboxing little review of all the different toys. Elliot had a good time doing that. Mm, uh, so also, n- check out, um, also check out my Leather Daddy uh, YouTube um, thing, where I also review toys. And I, I, recommend being, I recommend being a patron of that. <laughs> this is it's not an actual thing I made it up but Nerd Daddy's a very real thing and certainly check it out because it's cute as all hell yeah check it out guys we'd much appreciate it as I said guys do appreciate your support I hope you have a great Easter however you choose to spend it next episode is going to be Magical History Tour but for now Mr Davis any final words for those incredible listeners out there always remember snuggling cells shh